اعوذ باللہ من الشیطان الرجیم بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم الحمد للہ رب العالمین وصلی اللہ علی سیدنا محمد و علیہ طاہرین ورس نمبر نائنٹی سکس آف سورہ برکات من السماء والارض ولكن كذبوا فاخذناهم بما كانوا يكسبون if the people of the towns had been faithful and god weary we would have opened to them blessings from the heaven and the earth but they denied so we seized them because of what they used to do uh, this is uh, another conclusion <coughs> from what was said with regards to the previous five uh, nations uh, who were destroyed. Uh, there was one conclusion giving us the reasons for the destruction, summing it up as a rule, as a sunnah of creation. And now here it says that, uh, but we have not created the nations for that. We have not created them to be destroyed. We have created them to be blessed. Just in the same way that Allah has not created any human being to go to hell. He has created everyone for paradise. However, they do not, they actually prevent themselves from going to paradise by doing wrong, by bringing zulm to themselves and to others. So, if the people of the towns had been faithful and God-weary. Two, of course, criterion is, is mentioned here. One is Iman, the other is Taqwa. Iman in itself, here it says, is not useful, uh, at least for this world, at least for the blessings of this world, because there is this discussion among Murja'a and uh, uh, other Muslim groups that whether merely iman would uh, save people or they need amal salih with it as well. Of course, the Quran always say, However, the verses, at least for this world, it is not enough. It should be iman and taqwa. Now, of course, we have many other verses which talks about taqwa being a condition for hereafter, for the salvation hereafter as well. Ya ayyuhalladhina amanu, ittaqullah. All those who you have faith have taqwa as well. Now what's the difference between iman and taqwa? Iman is of course faith. Iman is in the heart. Taqwa appears in the actions. It's actually the other word for al-amalu salih. Taqwa is to fear God when we want to do something wrong. When we want to commit a dhulm. It's just like... Uh, to fear the police when you want to do something wrong. Uh, it, it, it would prevent us from tres- transgressing and trespassing the rights of others, from transgressing uh, whatever is uh, forbidden for us to trans- transgress, like, for example, uh, with regards to rights of others, it's quite clear, right? for example, uh, whatever is forbidden in Sharia, wine drinking, uh, many, many other things which, which are mentioned. So taqwa 
is actually there is a difference between taqwa and amal salih as well. Taqwa has more a sort of negative connotation that you have to forbid yourself from doing certain things. You have to censor yourself from doing them. Amal salih is, is more a positive sort of thing, doing good things. Now, here Allah actually is not requiring Ahlul Qur'an to do good things for not being destroyed, just not transgressing. That is the condition. So, law anna ahlal qura amanu wattaqaw. Amanu, we have, for example, uh, in Tafsir al-Safi, as a sample of what, how different exegetes have explained the difference between amanu and wattaqaw. Uh, in uh, As-Safi, Faisal Kashani says that وَلَوْ أَنَّ أَهْلَ الْقُرَىٰ آمَنُوا بَدَلَ كُفْرِهِمْ وَاتَّقَوْا أَشْشِرْكَ وَالْمَآسِي Instead of being a disbeliever, if they believed and they refrained from shirk and from all sorts of sins. Had they done these two things, having faith and refraining from shirk and ma'asi, لَفَتَحْنَا عَلَيْهِمْ we would have opened to them blessings from the heaven and from the earth. From the heaven by sending rain, from the earth by making their harvest grow fine and nice. This is how the barakat will come. It is, of course, talking about the sort of physical barakat here not talking about the uh, spiritual barakat, which of course uh, should come after iman and taqwa. So had they been faithful, had they been God-weary, we would have opened to them barakat or blessings from the heavens and earth. Now, the verse is uh, very uh, explicit about the influence of iman and taqwa on the well-being of societies. That if societies have iman and taqwa, they will flourish, they will have wealth, they would have comfort and all these things. However, what happens is that uh, they, instead of iman, they have kufr, instead of taqwa, they have shirk and ma'asi. One question may come to mind, and that is, usually we see faithful societies are in discomfort, lots of misfortunes, lots of calamities, problems, ignorance. And we see people who are uh, not faithful at all, do not believe in God. They always always flourish with wealth, are, uh, are helped with wealth and other amenities of life. How this comes? Now, uh, we have to think in this more deeply. We shouldn't be very superficial. Superficially, we see people to be faithful, but in depth of their heart and in depth of their actions, we would see that they are not having taqwa. Take the example of many Muslim societies, for example. They have faith, of course. We do not deny that they have faith, but they don't have taqwa. They do all sorts of wrong things. And the condition which is given here is, لَوْ أَنَّ أَهْلَ الْقُرَىٰ آمَنُوا وَالتَّقَوْا Have faith and have taqwa. And we don't see this taqwa in many Muslim societies. We don't see them to act in accordance with the rules of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and therefore, uh, barakat is not there. 
Now, with regards to societies which don't have faith and taqwa at all, uh, we go to the previous rule mentioned here. That's after a while, after some sort of tribulations, uh, troubles which come to them to come back to God, then we leave them. We open the doors of everything to them. They flourish in a way that they think whatever they have is due to their kufr and they, they, their disbelief because they have abandoned religion, because they have made separation between, between church and state, so to speak. Then they have all this uh, well-being and comfort and amenities. And then, of course... This, uh, the, the punishment comes suddenly. However, of course, as we mentioned before, when there are not, uh, there, there is no prophet, this sudden uh, punishment wouldn't destroy them. However, it would make them to wane gradually and the doors of Barakat will be closed to them in a gradual way. The civilizations, the communities would uh, uh, somehow go down from the peak of their civilization to something quite mediocre. Uh, one other thing which we can say about this is that uh, uh, this uh, barakat which comes due to faith and taqwa is not an individual thing. It doesn't say if a person has taqwa and faith, I would open the doors of barakat to them. On the contrary, we would see that people with faith and taqwa, they go through lots of tribulations because Allah wants to take them higher in their spiritual status. This is a rule for communities. It doesn't avail if only a few individuals in the communities are like this, having faith and taqwa. The whole, the majority... I don't say the whole, the majority of the community, so that we can say this community has faith and taqwa, not individual uh, people. Uh, this is a, a, a law about that. And uh, we have another verse in the Quran which somehow explains why we do not open the barakat if people are not faithful. In Surah Shura, it says, وَلَوْ بَسَطَ اللَّهُ الرِّزْقَ لِعِبَادِهِ لَبَغَوْ فِي الْأَرْضِ وَلَكِنْ يُنَزِّلُ بِقَدَرٍ مَا يَشَاءُ إِنَّهُ بِعِبَادِهِ خَبِيرٌ بَصِيرٌ If Allah uh, expands risk for the people, for the communities, because they don't have faith and taqwa, what they would do, they transgress, they oppress on the earth. Imagine even unfaithful Community. We are not talking about individuals. If an unfaithful community is given unlimited wealth and power, the first thing they do, they want to colonize other countries, other people. The first thing they do, they want to oppress other people. And this is why these barakat are very limited. The rest comes in a limited way. And if the rest comes in a limited way, then some people are left hungry without anything. Other people are very wealthy because they want to, of course, uh, because of their arrogance and selfishness, they want to have everything for themselves. And we see this poverty in some places. Not necessarily the poverty is due to those people. The poverty is due to this So we see this. For Allah, it was very easy to send Whatever we, we see, he has sent down for us un, in an unlimited way. 
expands it to, to, to a point that we cannot imagine. Uh, in Surah Zukhruf we have, وَلَوْلَا أَنْ يَكُونَ النَّاسُ أُمَّةً وَاحِدَةً لَجَعَلْنَا لَمَنْ يَكْفُرُ بِالرَّحْمَانِ لِبُيُوتِهِمْ سُقُفًا مِنْ فِضَّةً وَمَعَارِجَ عَلَيْهَا يَعْرُجُونَ If it was not feared that all of the people go towards kufr, we would have sent down so much wealth for the kuffar that they, can, they could build their houses with gold and silver. However, we do not do this. We, we hold it back because if we do not hold it back, first of all, everyone would become a kafir. They see, okay, the kuffar are better off than us. Why, are not we, why don't we go uh, towards kufr? Just like what we said about idolatry, people saw that a city, a community had, were worshipping a certain god and they were better off. They, used, they started to worship that god, saying that this god is, is better than our god, for example, can help better. Now, this is an attitude which is still exists among human beings. If there is no, there's no belief in any god or idols, now there's belief in uh, the way people behave and live. There's beliefs in cultures. If we see some people better off than ourselves, we will say, well, that's because of their culture. That's because of the way they live. So let's follow them. This would actually have created, uh, would have made all the people kuffar if we would not hold uh, the, the amenities, the barakat, and uh, we would have not sent it down to a certain limit. Now, uh, when Allah sent us to the earth, sent our father uh, and our mother to the earth, and we multiplied, uh, we became nations, communities, spreading all over the earth, the plan was not that we should have hardship. The plan was that we should have all sorts of blessings the way we were in that Jannah, in that garden. Our fathers were in that garden. However, what human beings, what children of Adam did, it was much, much worse than what Adam and Eve did in that garden. They started to oppress each other, to kill each other, and that's why the barakat were with withheld. It didn't come to, to that extent which everyone felt that everything is at hand. So, However, what did they do? Instead of that, what did they do? But they denied. They impugned the prophets. So, we seized them because of what they used to earn. Now, uh, here, because of what they used to earn, may mean that takzib, that denial, or may mean it was not the denial of the prophets which was that important. What was important is what they were doing because of that denial. The misguidance, the, uh, the transgression which were prevalent among them because of denying the prophets. So this was another, this is actually a, a sort of comment on what went uh, wrong before with, with regards to those five nations which were mentioned to us. 
Now, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, brings the uh, address to the present time, to the time of the Prophet, peace be on him. Now, did you uh, listen to the stories of those people who were destroyed in the past? Why do you feel secure that you are not like them, that you will not be treated in the same way? Why do you feel secure about it? Do the people of the towns feel secure from our punishment, overtaking them at night while they are asleep? Now, bayat is uh, a sort of uh, overnight ambush or overnight attack, which, of course, takes the people who are attacked absolutely by surprise and leaves them helpless. Now, this can come to you while you are sleeping. Our sort of, we are in ambush, and suddenly we may attack while you are asleep. While you are asleep means while you, while you are not aware of what you are doing. Now, Ahlul Qura, here again, Faiz Kashani says, Ahlul Qura al those who are now denying our Prophet. Why did, do they feel secure? They shouldn't do. Of course, Allah did not seize them anyhow. However, what happened, their community as the, the core community in Mecca, it was destroyed, uh, not by destruction of the individuals, but the whole ideas, cultures, and all these things uh, were gone, and people later on... Uh, turned to be Muslims. Or, Do the people of the towns feel secure from our punishment overtaking them at midday while they are playing around? Of course, the life of this world, the business of this world is all just like play. Now, at night, what you do, you sleep, you are not aware. During the day, what you do, you just uh, play around, you are not aware. And how do you feel secure and suddenly the punishment of God comes upon you? Now, as I said, this is a sort of admonition to the people of the time of the prophet after mentioning the stories of those nations. However, this could be extended to... Uh, the societies beyond the societies living at the time of the Prophet. Now, do we feel secure about it? Didn't we not see how previous nations were suddenly seized? Why should we feel secure about it? You may say we feel secure about it because no prophets is coming anymore and Allah would not destroy nations like that anymore. However, as I said, destruction is there. It's just a gradual sort of process rather than uh, a sudden ambush, as it is mentioned in, the, in these verses. And then it says, uh, it, it makes it more general. Verse number 99 makes it more general. Do they feel secure from Allah's devising? Now, makr is a sort of deception which takes someone 
into a course which would lead to destruction without them knowing it. Knowing it. So it's, it's, it's a device used by someone. Here it says by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah uses devices to deceive people into destruction. Do they feel secure from Allah's devising? No one feels secure from Allah's devising except the people who are losers. Now, this idea of makrullah is mentioned in the Quran in many occasions. And apparently this is a continuous sort of process which is used by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with regards to every nation and every individual. They devised, Allah devised, and Allah is the best of all devisers. The best who can devise things in a way that no one can get away with it. Everyone is trapped in the device of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now the question is, why Allah uses device against his creatures? We are so helpless when it comes to Allah's device, isn't it? We are so weak. Our device cannot be compared to Allah's device. Why Allah should use that? Why Allah should deceive uh, his creatures? Now, this device uh, certainly is something which comes back to human beings themselves. It's not something initially used by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah never initially deceived anyone, but he guides initially everyone. However, this deception, this of course makr is or, or being marker, wallahu khayrul makrin, is an attribute of God. Now you know that attributes of God are divided into two things. Or, or two categories, attribute of essence and attribute of act, sifatul fi'l and sifatul dhat. Certainly, makr is sifatul fi'l because it is uh, uh, in relation to Allah's acts in the creation that we find out or Allah d- describes himself to be a marker, someone who uses makr. Now, uh, we know that Sifatul fi'l for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala are not actually his attributes. His attributes of essence are power, uh, uh, are uh, life, uh, things like that which is, uh, for, which is there for Allah regardless of his creation. Whether he creates or not, these attributes are there. However, sifatul fi'l are those attributes which we uh, deduce by reasoning from the way Allah works in this in his creation so for example we see that uh, we are in need of many things and all these are provided for us therefore we deduce that Allah is merciful and Allah provides a sustainer these are sifatul fi'l for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. With regards to makr, we see that the creation, the human beings, are treated in a way that it looks like a devising. And therefore we say that Allah is deviser. Now, however, the deviser in the sense that it, it is the action of the people which comes back to them as a device. 
very, very simple example. For example, someone is kafir, denies God, rejects everything. However, he is not aware that he is gradually going towards a trap, and that is death, and a, a more severe trap than that, and that is hell. He is not realizing this, and this seems to be like a deception. Allah is not stopping him, it's not holding him in doing that, in transgressing. If Allah does not stop someone transgressing, that looks like a device, because we know that at the end, this transgression would lead to destruction. Just imagine someone is moving along a line, and you provide him to go along that line, and you know there is a there is a valley, there's a ridge, and there is a deep valley there, and he would fall if he continues on that path. And you continue giving him things so that he could providing him with things so that he could continue on that way. And you know what's at the end. Now, are you not devising? Are you not using a macro against him? This is how the word, the act of Allah seems to be in this creation. That he does not stop us from doing wrong things. And these wrong things we know that would lead to our destruction. However, Allah would not stop. He provides because this is the way he has created us. We choose the way we, we like. And this seems to be like a macro, like a deception, like a device. Uh, in the verse which talks about the, the mutual makr in, uh, in Surah Naml, about the people of Thamud, it says that, وَكَانَ فِي الْمَدِينَةِ تِسْعَةُ رَحْتٍ يُفْسِدُونَ فِي الْعَرْضِ وَلَا يُسْلَحُونَ In the city in which Saleh lived, there were nine tribes. They were all transgressors. They were not doing anything good. فَقَالُوا تَقَاسَمُوا بِاللَّهِ لَنُبَيِّتَنَّهُ ثُمَّ لَنَقُولَنَّ لِوَلِيَّهِ مَا شَهِدْنَا مَحْلَكَ أَهْلِهِ لَنُبَيِّتَنَّهُ وَأَهْلَهُ ثُمَّ لَنَقُولُ لِوَلِيَّهِ مَا شَهِدْنَا مَحْلَكَ أَهْلِهِ وَإِنَّا لَصَادِقُونَ Let's do a makr against Saleh. We could, we could not kill him as individual tribes because then his tribe would come back on us. Let's do a collective sort of device. Nine tribes, from every tribe, one man would go and would kill him collectively. And therefore, no individual tribe is responsible for it. This was the mark they were doing. Now, Allah says, as soon as they decided to do that, our punishment came. And then he says, They devised, Allah devised. What was the device of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? He let them do whatever they wanted to do. As I said, this goes with regards to communities, with regards to individuals. A person transgresses, a person does all types of wrong and sin, and the, the provision of God comes more and more. Not only it does not, it, it is not decreased or reduced, it is increased, it's multiplied. And one thing that, well, that means that I'm not doing anything wrong. That means that all these things that these mullahs say about uh, punishment and these things uh, are just rubbish. There's no, nothing like that there. So this would lead them to, to destruction, either in this world or in the next world. And it is something which looks like a device. Now, here 
It says, Afa'amanu makrallah. Do they feel secure from the device of Allah? Wala ya'manu makrallahi illa al-qawmul khasirun. The only people who feel secure about this are those who will lose out. Otherwise, every mu'min, whether individual or nation, whatever they do, they are always concerned, they are always fearful that what am I, what I am doing, what I am receiving as blessings of God, is it going to be used against me? And this thought would always make them to pay attention to what they do, to the way they behave. So they never feel secure from makrullah, and those who feel secure from makrullah, of course, are al-qawmul khasirun. In a nutshell, the transgressors, whether they are individuals or communities, if Allah is not reacting against what they do, is not reacting against what they do, they shouldn't feel secure that this lack of reaction will continue. It may be a respite so that they would increase in all these transgressions, and then suddenly they are seized. Now, the next verse is, uh, again, uh, in continuation of this admonition to the uh, people of the time of the Prophet, and also extends to us as well. أَوَلَمْ يَحْدِي لِلَّذِينَ يَرِثُونَ الْأَرْضَ مِنْ بَعْدِ أَهْلِهَا أَلَّوْ نَشَاءُ أَصَبْنَاهُمْ now, does it not dawn upon those who inherited the earth after its former inhabitants, those who came after Ad, after Samud, after Nuh, the people of Nuh, those who came after this, they inherited the earth from them, they lived in, uh, in their cities, in their places of inhabitants. However, did it not dawn on, on them that if we wish, we will punish them for their sins the way we punished the previous nations? Does it not dawn on them? And set a seal on their hearts so they would not hear. Now, of course, uh, the question is, well, apparently in majority of the cases, no, they do not take heed. They do not take their lessons. It does not lead them to such a conclusion. As the previous verses said, when we sent a prophet, all sorts of discomfort and calamities came to them to come to their mind, to think. However, they didn't think. They just continued with the transgression, and then we opened the doors of comfort to them, and they said, well, this is a sort of natural thing, people are inflicted by, by good and by evil, it did not lead them to any conclusion about the fact that why they were dis destroyed, why the previous nations were, were taken by Ba'asa and Zarra. It, they never thought about it, it never dawned upon them. Now, is a, a separate statement. It is telling us that Yes, because they do not think, because they continue transgressing, we 
put a seal on their hearts. So they cannot hear all these admonitions. They cannot take, pay attention to what happened in the past. They only think about present joys and, uh, uh, and what they can, what pleasure they can have in their own lives. Never look back into the history. There is a, uh, now another sort of uh, conclusive remark which sums everything up and then we move into a, a new story. These are the towns, some of whose accounts we recount to you. Their apostles certainly brought them manifest proofs. But they were not the ones to believe in what they had denied earlier. If you want to see the seal of the heart, look at these nations. However, this verse has uh, some sort of uh, different aspects uh, in it that we have to discuss, so we leave it, inshallah, for our next session. Thank you, Martin Dichek. Uh, the sisters, we have about 10-15 minutes to further the discussion and clarify any points. Riaz, yes, uh, I think there is, is there a mic. I'll give you this. Thank you very much for your lecture. Sheikh, I want to ask a question, but please forgive me if my limitation of language does make it sound disrespectful. It's just a matter of requiring clarification. And I want to ask a question about Mak because it's very troubling. Um, about about Madhab. Yes. Madhab, yeah. um, because, you know, we, we hear or we read in the Quran many times that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives leeway to the kuffar so they can continue and they could get a greater punishment. These people who have closed their eyes and their ears and their heart to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But also we know God as a loving God, as a caring God as the creator who loves all of his creation. And again, I don't know if it's lost in translation, but the actual translation of the word comes across as devising, as plotting, as planning, and comes across as very surreptitious and negative um, uh, aspect. And so it makes the God that we know as a loving God sound like a vengeful God. Please forgive me. So I, I have some difficulty with trying to reconcile these two concepts. Yeah, very, very interesting. But the way the attributes of God work in his creation is very complicated. You see, because he's ar-Rahman, he has to provide. He does not stop providing. And because he's merciful, who never uh, uh, shuts the door of repentance, that people can repent and come back. And therefore, uh, we are here uh, sort of uh, left with a dilemma. Should Allah continue providing for people when they transgress or he should actually stop them immediately? If Allah wished to stop people immediately, if this was his plan, then no one would have lived on this earth. No one. No one would have found any respite for repentance. Because as soon as someone did something wrong, that act of God, which you say is, is, is a mercy, should have seized them immediately. 
And this would have led to destruction of everyone. This wouldn't have allowed anyone to go to paradise because we know that people, the majority, the overwhelming majority of the people who go to paradise are the sinners who repent. So the dilemma here is why should, what should do? What should Allah do, actually? Should he leave them continue in the hope that they may go back? Or should he seize them immediately? Apparently, his different attributes, Rahmaniyya, Rahimiyya, and all these things, would require that he should leave them, continue, so that they may come to their minds. And he doesn't just leave them. He sends messengers to them. He calls them back. He admonishes them. He advises them. He gives them warning, good news, whatever. Bashir and uh, uh, Nazir, he stands for them. Now, we know that a great, great number of people, because of this, would, would go to, uh, to paradise, would find salvation. And that is, of course, great. However, if we look at it from a negative side, this is the positive side of it. If we look at it from a negative side, then we see that some people would not go back. And this looks like devising. Allah provides for them. It doesn't matter what they do. Now, Allah never works uh, in a sort of uh, uh, irregular manner. His laws are comprehensive, include everyone. It applies to everyone. So when this law of giving respite so that people repent is there, when some people do not repent, it looks like devising. That's why all the exodus say that Allah doesn't devise against his creation. It looks like to be devising, and Allah uses it because it's so terrifying, isn't it, if you are trapped in such a device. I hope that's helpful. Thank you, Sheikh. Any sisters? My brother, Nizar, Safaz, Riyad. Just to, if I may, just to clarify one point um, on this thing that Allah, when He, this planning that He does, I mean, we were all, all our ancestors were kuffar, and He didn't put us in a device of a negative thing. He, he guided us. We're here today. Mm-hmm. So those kuffar who are misled are the people who are defiant and arrogant. Like Fir'aun, for example. Fir'aun had a plan to destroy Musa. And Allah says, right, this is your plan. My plan will encompass your plan. And you will mm-hmm. see your plan become my plan. Yeah. And, and this is a phenomenon that's common. Uh, we all understand it, even though we may not understand it in this literal way. Because in, in our language in Gujarati, we say the one who digs a hole falls in it. Isn't that the same concept? In English, we say if what goes around comes around. Isn't that mm-hmm. the same concept? That you make a plan, and Allah will show you your plan in His plan. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, however, the question is: sometimes you make, you you do, you actually use plans, uh, but uh, you are completely unaware that another plan is coming to destroy your plan. Uh, with with regards to people like Pharaoh, of course, there is no doubt that they deserve deserve it. But with regards to some individuals who uh, 
are not as evil as Pharaoh. The question comes as we heard that why Allah should allow them to continue and not seize them immediately due to his mercy. The discussion was about that. But what you say is absolutely right. Absolutely right. Allah, if you want to plan and devise against God, you are actually devising against yourself. Because all the laws of creation would then turn against you and you devise against yourself. Thank you, Annie. It's about the rise and fall of empires because it seems to suggest in the ayat that we let the people who are transgressors transgress for a little while longer. Uh, but if you apply that to history in a similar way that we discussed just now, a different item, it's that every single civilization, it reaches a peak and it falls. They literally plan their own destruction anyway because they get too top-heavy. So whatever goes up must come down in the same way that we just discussed something similar where you plan against yourself and you dig your own hole. In the same applies to nations, does it not? That they will go up and they will reach a point of their maximum usability and then they'll get too greedy. So is it necessary that, a, uh, because I'm looking at the Muslim nation, it has its rise, it's had its rise, it's had its fall. So it's not a necessity that every nation that uh, progresses has to be evil, and at the same time, it's not necessary that every nation that progresses has to be uh, good and then turn bad afterwards. It's just the way it is, isn't it? Now, when you say it's the way it is, it's the way Allah has planned it to be, actually. Now, here it explains why it happens. Why when they go to their peak, then they fall. It's because they do not have Iman and Taqwa. Now, if you are bringing the example of Muslim nation, I wouldn't necessarily say that Muslim nation have Taqwa. So they are somehow included in that rule. They, they rise and then they fall again because they didn't have Taqwa. So what we see in the history, all these are an explanation, a, a sort of supernatural explanation of why these things are happening in your world. Because the verses, وَلَوْ أَنَّ أَهْلَ الْقُرَىٰ آمَنُوا وَاتَّقَوْا Had they have faith and taqwa, we would have unrestrictedly opened the doors of barakat for them. However, we, we close it. We do not allow it. Now, when it comes to our world, it translates to what you see in the history. That, that's, that's the way it is, yeah. Thank you. Any sisters? Sheikh, when, okay, when we discuss that, <coughs> we, have a pl- <coughs> me. we have a plan and Allah has a plan and Allah's plan overtakes our plan. Now, is it possible to kind of realize that this is Allah's plan or rather it comes as a kind of a, <coughs> as a course of nature that uh, we feel that uh, our plan hasn't succeeded so we just accept it or, just a minute, let me finish it, or One example that comes to my mind, during the time of Ayatollah Uduma, uh, uh, Shahid Ayatollah Khomeini, is that uh, when the U.S. forces tried to release uh, or tried to invade the, the compound to release the, uh, 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 the hostages, 
uh, in the desert there was this uh, desert storm and then uh, the helicopters collided each other and people interpreted it as if it was Allah's plan who overcame human beings plan now is that was that a kind of a course of nature or actually Allah's plan that people actually accepted it or do we realize sometimes that it is Allah's well, plan? Well, you see, Allah never works outside nature. I mean, everything which happens is a natural phenomenon that we see. You see, there are things behind the scene and there are things which happen on the scene. What we see is only what happens on the scene. We don't see what is behind the scene. Now, if you are a believer, you see the plan of God in, in all these things. And if you are a sort of superficial believer, you even see plan of God in everything, which is not even the plan of God, the, the way you, you, you think. If you are not a believer, you never see plan of God in anything. So it depends on the, on the level of faith and level of uh, a penetration of uh, spiritual knowledge, which would tell a person what is a device, what is a plan, what is not a plan, uh, what was due to a certain acts, what was due to a different set of acts. So this depends on individuals. You can never say about any individual incident in 100% in 100% sure way that uh, this was the plan because of certain things happened before. And uh, you would never go into such explanation, explanations unless you are a believer. So this sort of argument always remains between believers and non-believers. Was it a force of nature or was it plan of God? And we saw in previous verse actually that after the later generations come and see the previous, uh, uh, what, what happened previously for their forefathers, they said, قَدْ It's a natural thing. Every community is inflicted by good and evil. Our fathers did, we will do. So now we are in comfort, it is just a natural thing. The verse explains it very clearly. Thank you. Any brothers, sisters? No? Seems okay. Thank you, Mazindi. Shukran, Muhammad Wali, Muhammad Salwat. Allah.